Tommy. Hey, Amanda. It's a sad day. My eyes are all wet. I know. Ted Lasso is officially over. Normally, we have this really fun guessing lead-in, but it's it. We're done. Wait, are we done? I have ideas. I don't know if it's done yet. yet. Well, I guess that's what we're going to talk about today. On Can We Talk About? talk about ted lasso ah yeah i feel like doing like the theme song right i know but it's so sad yeah for many reasons so many reasons (laughs) so sad yeah all right so elephant in the room at the time of this recording still haven't called it the series finale no and if you are new to this podcast and you're just listening to us for the first time Please revisit our first Ted Lasso episode because Tommy, like a time traveler from the future, called this shit. A little bit, but just a little bit because there's more to that, too, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which is, all right. We can get into it. We might as well. Let's kick it off there. I'll say this. There was one thing I sort of got wrong, potentially wrong. Maybe. I don't know. We we still don't really know because it's all tight lipped. Everyone's all friends. Bill Lawrence, who I said in that episode, I was like, he's going to try to get like. Apple TV Plus had already expressed interest in continuing. And we know Bill Lawrence can't turn down a renewal. He's not Jerry Seinfeld in 1998. Like, uh-huh. But. See Scrubs for yes. proof. <laughs> Which Scrubs? Scrubs the new class? Oh, you know? God. And I was putting a lot of it on Bill Lawrence because at that time, Jason Sudeikis had very, very publicly said it was a three season arc. He mentioned in an interview somewhere that Bill was trying to convince him to keep going. And then obviously we get this, which we'll get into of like, it seems like it is a rap story. It seems like we're done. Now, all of that said, and I feel like there's more here because I feel like just knowing this bit sort of reveals that maybe there's more to it. Yes. And that is, I feel like there's a story behind why this is the case, but season one, it was the creators of the show, which is Jason Sudeikis and Brendan Hunt. It was Bill Lawrence and Joe Kelly. They were all the producers. And then, and I'll say this, at least Bill Lawrence and Jason Sudeikis were both producers. Bill Lawrence was the showrunner, which is, you know, the man in charge, the, the main the main person. As of season three, Jason Sudeikis took on the showrunner role and mm-hmm. Bill Lawrence stepped back to just being a producer. So... I have theories. I will say they're complete theories, like knowing my nerdiness of behind the scenes and TV and movies and and the industry in general. I feel it's either one of two things. Bill Lawrence was like, go do your swan song. It's your show. Feel, feel out being a showrunner for a season. Good luck, buddy. Or no, 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 we need to keep going. And if Bill Lawrence was in charge, he wouldn't have tied it up in a bow. Hmm. I feel like that the latter is more probable because famously this is where it gets funny and it's Bill Lawrence both times. There was the quote unquote final season of scrubs and JD for those that watch scrubs tied it all up in a bow, right? Said goodbye, left the hospital. And then this fall on ABC scrubs is back. And so it would not be outside the Bill Lawrence universe for them to turn around and suddenly Ted Lasso is teaching other 
coaches how to be coaches and then we start following their storylines i don't know who the hell knows what's gonna happen okay i think you're right yeah before you even finish up your statement but i just want to say yeah i think you're right oh yeah (laughs) i think you're correct sir i'll take it i'll say this and this is a very big generalization i would normally keep to the end but there's a blessing and a curse here right which is Bill Lawrence did step back. Jason Sudeikis tied up season three the way I think he wanted to. He got a chance to be a showrunner for thinking that positively. They did oddly set the stage for potential spinoffs and continuations. So we'll see. But on the flip side, although it's like, all right, woof, they did actually tie it up, which I wanted them to, to be clear. I wanted them to tie up this, the show. I didn't want it to just zombie on into the future. But when Jason Sudeikis took over, the show just inflated and I forget what someone actually mentioned this but like the runtime of the final season do you know it no I don't know it but it's it's funny that you say that because the last episode is yeah it's like an hour and a half an hour it's yeah. like a movie but yeah. but so was like the one before that so that's why it wasn't be. yeah yes yeah but they were used to be like like nice tight half 20, 30, hour yeah, 20, yeah, yeah yeah and then suddenly it inflated and it's like you know sometimes more is less <laughs> Jason you know, sometimes. Oh, I know. But you know me. I'm such a fucking mushopotamus. Yeah, yeah. I could have had seven hour episodes and it wouldn't have been long enough for me. <laughs> but I will say to bring it back when there was a vibe out there like there, there was a shift in the tone of the show. Something felt different. Keep in mind that Bill Lawrence, who was the showrunner for seasons one and two, famously creator and showrunner behind Scrubs and Cougar Town and suddenly disappeared. Like he was not the showrunner. Jason Sudeikis was put in charge, had never run a show before. So if it felt a little different, you can also attribute it to that. That was the only major change behind the scenes for this. Okay. And I know that that probably bothers someone like you where like me, I'm more of a give me all the feelings. (laughs) I just want the feelings. I mean, put it this way. The first season, the longest episode was 33 minutes. It could not have been more opposite of the last episode we just did about Succession, right? So, like, really tied it up in a bow, kept it so fucking tight to the very end, right? Yeah. Yes, the episodes were inflated. But I will say, I don't feel like I'm missing the ending for any character storyline. No, and I will say, and we can get to this, there was at least one or two or maybe three characters, depending on how you look at it, who had a little bit more ambiguous endings, but I think it's okay. Like, I'm okay Me too. with yeah. leave it up to your interpretation or leave it as is. And, you know, referencing back to our own Ted Lasso episode, yeah. which I did listen to to get ready for this episode, because I just wanted to remind myself, like, what were the things we'll we thought about. and said, which was fun. Yeah. We 100% expected this final season to be the Nate show. And it was the Jamie Tart show. It really was. It really was. And don't get me wrong. Nate, I'm kind of happy that they didn't end this with, and not to, you know, jump far ahead here, but I'm kind of happy that we didn't end this with Nate being the head coach and Roy just falling in line and just accepting that. And I'm glad that it wrapped up Nate's storyline and put Nate back into a, a place of humility and. Yeah. That scene with Nate in the locker room where he's crying his eyes out. Yeah. They had to shoot so many times and abandon the script that was written because he couldn't stop crying. He was crying so, so hard. And I mean, we're going to get into all the Easter eggs. You know that that's my jam. Call back fucking city in this season. 
I will say, and again, I'm going to tie together a little bit of like the behind the scenes stuff I know. But to that point, right, it, it, we went in thinking, oh, no, here's the Nate arc, because I think as far as story arcs go, you almost expect it to be as specific or similar to the rise as to, as to the fall. Right. So like there's yep. the, we come up and we, you know, we've created a monster. Evil Nate exists at the end of season two. You start off season three and you're like, oh, that's the storyline we want to see unravel. And then it sort of meanders a little bit like it sort of starts off focusing on that and then sort of just flutters out but two things one that wasn't the only storyline that did that and yeah. two you could say right because one of the things that you you mentioned about like nate he returned to humility right he, he was humbled he really did serving at his favorite restaurant yeah. like, i loved that i really did yeah. love that well because i think that's the thing is we have to remind ourselves that this is ted lasso it is a show that yeah oddly against the grain is a lot more positive and self-reflecting. It is a show in a universe where everyone is in therapy. And so the the person with the most ego is the bad guy, right? He is Darth Vader, he, you know? Yeah. And even that, I know that this plays to my personality and who I am and talking about therapy, things I work <laughs> on with my own therapist, but like there were moments in this season, especially the last few episodes where God, I, f I know this is going to sound awful and I hate that I'm like this. I fucking felt bad for Rupert. Yeah. I felt bad yeah. that his bad decisions led him to that moment. And I, at the same time, and I know it doesn't feel like you can, but I'm championing Rebecca in that scene yeah. where he tries to kiss her and she's like, what the fuck yeah. are you doing? Yeah. And it's sad. I mean, like he is a shell of a man and props to the, what's the name of the actor that plays him? Ooh, I don't know. That's good. That's a. That's I mean, a good he's one. in like everything. <laughs> he's like he? in everything. You don't know who he is. Uh oh, uh, Anthony Heat. Props to him because he really went from playing that disgusting, like everything rolls off my back, I'm untouchable, yeah. to almost being that little boy that Rebecca describes in the meeting that waited and snuck into the you know yeah. stadium. Like he is that little boy at the end. He's got nothing. Yeah. His wife has left him. He's got an unattractive assistant, which makes you think, oh, my God, he's learning from his mistakes. Yeah. You don't know if it's going to be redemption arc. You or not. don't. And oh, God. And when they yell wanker at him at the end <laughs> and then you see the coach's balls, just like when Rebecca <laughs> fired him and his balls were hanging out in the first episode. But like, there's just a moment where I'm like, I fucking feel bad for him yeah i think you're led to believe that it's going to be another redemption arc and, and, and maybe if not. there was more time ironically maybe enough, that i don't know been, yeah. but like that was the thing in that food fight scene it wasn't even a food fight it was it was hilarious uh, yeah. i'm so fucking happy because yeah. it felt a little too serious for ted lasso right like it was like yeah what is happening and the fact that they made it so fucking stupid and that they're eating chicago hot dogs and nigerian traditional food yeah incredible but yeah I love that that very serious and beautiful storyline about Rebecca looking at them as, and Keely texts her and says yeah. they were all just little boys. Yeah. And then she sees them that way. It's a pretty serious scene, but the fact that they ended it so ridiculously, yeah. I fucking love that. <laughs> also, I if we're mentioning that scene, Sam Richardson. So I just love good. him. I love so him so fucking much. good. Everything that guy does. Doesn't um, shake people's hands. The other guy yeah. does shake everyone's hand. I love Sam Richardson. You still haven't watched, and it's coming up because we're going to do an episode about it, but mm -hmm. you're watching I Think You Should Leave. 
which yes, will I am. enter you into the Tim Robinson universe. Yeah. We'll get to that. But he's in that, obviously, because they did a show together. They're buddies. Sam Rob Richardson shows up in uh, Tim Robinson stuff all the time. And vice Excellent. Versa, so. But you, all right, so we can use that as a segue, though, because you did mention Keely. And there was her season arc, which I'll be honest, I haven't even really put effort into thinking about it. And I have a... Oh, I have. I'll do it for you. Okay. But I was going to say, I, I have a... I think my default... Being self-reflective, I think my default stance is like, yeah, to each his own. Like, I don't care. Like, everyone's journey's theirs. Like, I don't, you know, whatever. Which is, you know, I would like to think. Well, there's moments in the show where I felt very akin to Keely. Yeah, and I always knew that that was going to go away for her, and I wasn't sure when or what season that was going to happen. But I always knew it was going to be taken from her, not because of her lack of success, but that's just how her life goes. And that's honestly, that's how I felt with a lot of things in my life. So watching that scene where she walks in and everybody's boxing everything up, it broke my heart, but I was like, this was always going to happen to her because she tried so hard to get away from just being the girl with great tits on Jamie Tart's wall, holding two (laughs) soccer balls. You know, she tried to just truly do something. And I kind of always knew it was going to be Rebecca in the end to be like, yeah, I got you. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? That's what they were fucking giving you. And you had to listen to them. Yeah. No way. I've got you. And I don't know. Did you ever think there was a moment where she was going to get back with Roy? Because I will say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those final scenes at the end of the show. It's kind of ambiguous. You don't know if she ends up with Jamie or Roy. Right. Or maybe neither of them. I think the interpretation of the show leaves you up to is that like she's a strong woman. She doesn't need anybody. She does. Right? Like. As much as they're they're in love, and I will say because I I know how this world works, it is a British TV show, kind of ish. I don't, yeah. yeah, no, it is. So those shows do like one off specials, a la The Office, the original Office, mm-hmm. where the Jim and Pam of the, yes, the OG, yes, yes, they had to get them together. So they literally created a, a Christmas special where they just finalized that story. So now they're together. So in true fashion, I would almost expect there to be some kind of like Ted Lasso Christmas special not claymation that is extended and shows some other, you know, universe or, or future beyond what we, what we already saw and makes that happen. Because I think that's one of the things that the audience is always clamoring for and that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. I'm also okay with like, Hey, yeah, she doesn't need a guy that said, I have a question for you because one of the things that I tentatively agree with, this is me being Uh-oh. like right, writing the line the most one of the things I heard on the internets that I tentatively agree with is what they did to Keeley's character in general. And so before I continue, I'll say this. I am not a woman. I'm a man. I, I identify that. You have a child. Yes, yes I do. Uh, yeah, you, you don't know what plug went into which plug, though. Your wife will tell oh, me. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> now, that said, I don't know. As a woman, it could have been she decided to throw it like just, you know, change her path, do her own thing, completely separate from the person that she used to be? Or did they drastically change her character? Because the Keeley that we knew from season one and two even is a very different person than season three Keeley. Hmm. So just to give you like, I will say my stance as a woman, and I kind of yeah. gave that already. I always felt like Keeley deserved more, not from the writers. I think yeah. they did a great job. Yeah. But I always felt there were tidbits of this season three version of Keely throughout season one and two. And a perfect example is when Ted goes to visit her at that photo shoot and Rebecca has that photographer. That's season one, right? 
That's like fresh season one. And they yes, take the I secret so, pictures yeah. and she's supposed to be a lion or a panda oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. like that's like episode like, two. Like fresh season one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's moments in that conversation where I'm like, she's not just a dumb fucking idiot. Yeah. But that is how the whole world has treated her. And she doesn't want to just be that dumb idiot. Yeah. And I felt like a lot of Keeley's personality was her trying to grasp at any straw she can get to prove to people like I'm not just a hot body, right. great pair of tits and yeah. an idiot. Like, yeah, I'm worth so much more. And I remember the season. I want to say it was season two, maybe it was season one where she starts showing up in all of the hotel rooms, every hotel room they yeah. go, she's doing the promo. Yeah. And you kind of get a little glimpse into the fact that like, man, she has taken some really demeaning and shit jobs because she thought that's all she was worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you have to have your top off, Keely, because that's all you're worth. That's all people care about. No, you have to do these stupid things where you're half naked because that's all people see you as. And she just right. kept taking shitty jobs and doing these shitty things. And I think as the show progressed, even that photo shoot that she has in season two, the end of mm-hmm. season two, when her and Roy are starting to like kind of end their relationship and he's not in any of the pictures. Yeah. Her initial instinct is, oh my God, he's going to be so mad. And he's like, yeah. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know, like, I don't <laughs> yeah. care that I'm on these pictures. You look incredible. This is about you, not your about your fucking right. footballer boyfriend. Right. This is about you and like what a badass you are. And she doesn't believe him. She doesn't yeah. believe the article. She's got imposter syndrome like nobody's business. And I feel like season three, the imposter syndrome starts to go away. Then she loses everything. I fucking hate it, Jack. I knew that. Yeah, yeah, I'm always let me, let me tell you, I'm always down for some fucking hot girl on girl. Sign me up times ten. But like, I always knew that Jack was. Yeah, too, we saw. I mean, she was yeah. just. Yeah, we saw it. It, it. it was there from the first instance. Yeah, but when Keely comes back around and the imposter syndrome kind of goes away when she's got her office and her employees, yeah. and she's like, "No, I am a big deal. I can do this. I can fire my best friend." Yeah. And then she kind of comes back at the end and she's like, no, maybe I can't do this. They took everything away. Yeah. Like, I must not have been doing a good job. And the very end of the season, you kind of get that Keely back who's, you know, kind of her redemption story. But I do see what you're saying. She is a very different Keely. But I think there were moments leading up to that version of her. Mm-hmm. But she is definitely one of the more complex characters that I think if you don't dive into her, she's very easy to gloss over. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, I think season one, Keely, you have. Sorry, I got real meta with that. But like, no, I love it. I am not for folks who don't know what I look like. Not Keely. I'll tell you that. But (laughs) I identified with her imposter syndrome feeling so much in the beginning of the show. And I think that they did such a great job of that journey and internally the same way they did with Ted mental health. Like they really did show how she was treated by the rest of the world and how hard that is. If literally everyone around you is telling you that you're only good for one thing, you start yeah. to fucking believe it, you yeah. know? But I will say, so the season one version of her, I think, is confident. Like, whether it's only external or it's both internal, external. Mm-hmm. And then you get into season two and we see a little bit more vulnerability. And then she takes a risk, right? She starts her own PR firm. She charters uncharted waters. And then... To your point, right, there is an arc over this season. We see a very vulnerable version of her who doesn't seem as confident as she has before, which is fair. And that's a good that's a good arc. 
But two things. One, I don't think we ever actually get to see her fully become happy. Mm-hmm. We don't get to see her come out the other side like we do with all the other characters that we saw arcs over. Yeah. And then second, I got to say, right, everything else aside, if the arc is she tries something, fails, gets vulnerable, puts herself out there, and eventually has it taken away from her for all the wrong reasons, to be clear. But for have her arc be like, oh, my my rich friend is just going to pay for it, and then that solves it, it's kind of a cop-out. Then, like, you want to see her achieve something. That's what we've been watching her do is be this independent girl boss in the most non-cliche girl boss way. <laughs> yeah. And then you don't actually ever get to see her girl boss really i mean she succeeded a little bit when jack was in charge of her firm but then after she gets everything ripped away and then rebecca saves her i mean the most we actually see is in the pseudo just at the end of the show i almost said post credits it wasn't a post credits before the credits where they just come up with the idea of a female soccer team for richmond as like a second team i love that and i really hope that that's a a opportunity because (laughs) i will be honest and we kind of talked about this a little bit in the first episode and i would really love to talk about rebecca's character more yeah oh she had a great arc this season i will say Uh, i mean i i i cried yeah (laughs) i cried the whole fucking third season of the show if we're gonna be honest i cried all three seasons yeah but i really cried hard but with the wrexham show yeah that you know like we kind of talked about that the rob mclehaney and Really popular right now. Great yeah. story. If if you don't know, very similar to the Ted Lasso story where they got relegated, they got knocked down, and then they got they played and got knocked up. Except it's real life; it's happening. Yeah. And now they've got the AFC Wrexham Women's yeah team that they're championing as well. And I think that I just said AFC Wrexham. Oh, I, that's no, no, you said AFC not Richmond. Real life. You actually said yeah. AFC Richmond. I, I was like, okay. does she know something I don't? Guys, for the record, I'm as you can tell by my voice, I am still sick. But that's happening real time. Yeah. So I kind of like that they brought that in for a million reasons. But also, if we're going to talk Rebecca, which I would love to, not to throw our girl Keely to the side, but Rebecca, one thing I love is she's wearing the same outfit in the final scene that she is in the very beginning of the show. I didn't realize that. Okay. And the little girl... That plays her when she's looking in the mirror and she sees yeah. the little girl and she's like, I'm not the little girl. And she does her big mm-hmm. stretch, makes herself big. It's the same girl that they use when she runs into the hot guy that she oh, hooks up with. And yeah. yeah, that's his daughter. Oh, wow. So they use the same okay. girl kind of paralleled it. But there were moments where oh, I mean, we have to talk about this. Yeah. Did you think that Rebecca and Ted fucked when? He's like downstairs in her kitchen. I immediately knew something was up because I was like, the way this show is, although I will say. I would have been so mad if I would have been it. too happy, I, but yeah. mad. At that point, I was already like, I don't know what the hell happened here, but they did play it off really well. I will give it to them. That's also there was a lot of stuff that happened off camera this season that oh. it wouldn't have blown my mind. Uh, Nate never quit on camera. Ted never actually said he was going back home on camera, right? All that stuff was said yes, off camera. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, I see what you're saying, yeah. So we never actually see those moments. So to like potentially not see a moment where that led to Ted and Rebecca oh, hooking I up. I so mad if that happened. Was yeah. not far-fetched at that point. So I was like, yeah. a, oh, what's happening? And then we see Beard in a fucking red thong, thong yeah. and just put his raw <laughs> ass on her counter. Yeah. Miraculous. Love that Beard. was so, oh God, I loved it. Yeah, I don't want to get off Rebecca unless you were done with, oh, that sounds. No, I'm never done with Rebecca. We're Um, definitely not done with Rebecca. But I was going to say, I I do like how they, 
craftfully, I will say, gave Beard a backstory. And that said, I, I didn't need to know his first name. Would have been okay with that. They didn't have to toss that in there. Yeah, I would have been happy without it too. Yeah, but I did like the backstory because I like anything, and we talked about this with like Succession too, I like anything that gets revealed later that makes you go back and look at a character and their choices previously and oh, have God, a different- Oh God, this whole episode was yeah. Easter egg callback, Easter egg callback. Yeah, because I mean, there's there's the concepts of retconning things. It's another thing of like- you know, Brendan Hunt knew what the backstory for his character was, then it would eventually get revealed this season. And then you you kind of go back and be like, oh, when he made that look or when he said this or when he reacted this way, it's actually because of this other thing we didn't know about. So I appreciate that. I do too. Yeah. I, I will say that there were moments I was like, are we pandering? Yeah. Are we pandering <sighs> for the season finale? Yeah. And I don't want to take anything away from Rebecca's story. I kind of like that the mom's fortune teller was right. Yeah. About Rebecca. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. good. Yeah. I like that little callback because, yeah. you know, the whole season with the matchbook and the, you know, mm-hmm. you're thinking like, oh, she's going to end up a Sam. She's got to end up a Sam. I and knew she wouldn't, but at the same time, I would like to. I, would, I, would I wanted her to. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, like, it all went great. And I, I loved that. If you pause that scene where Ted's looking at the newspapers. Yeah. I and know. you find out that Rebecca didn't sell the club. Because there is a moment where she's thinking about selling the club and you yeah. you can't fucking blame her. Yeah. She kept the club to piss off her ex-husband. Yeah. And eventually, you know, Ted and the club and everything ended up being her life. But yeah. you couldn't blame her if she did. And I love the fact that they show that she only sold 49% oh, yeah. of the club to, to the, the fans, fans which yeah. is, again, something they did in the Wrexham show. Uh, the fans owned the soccer team before football yeah. team. Sorry. It's Don't like- kill me. <laughs> but. A lot of parallels, but I will say that I think Rebecca's arc was my favorite of the whole final season. Yeah. Hands down. I was okay with Rebecca's arc, and especially to the point of like, again, also not on camera, right, is mm-hmm. someone shown off screen is Rupert's other secretary and, and wife oh, coming to the house. Coming to the house. Yeah. And again, I, I, maybe that's a, I don't know, but that's okay with me. I hate pandering. I hate spoon feeding. I will say, speaking of pandering, because I wanted to talk about this and we haven't really gotten to Ted and we we're getting to him, but I got to jump because because this, this is, is going to be a much longer episode than I think we anticipated. It's okay. We'll make it work. But okay. I will say this. One of the best episodes of the seasons, and I'm not alone here, aside from the finale, was Mom City. That, oh, my God. Now, that said. It was. I, so that's where I teared up. All of that too. said, there's a speech Ted gives in there towards the end to his mom. That even I, Tom, yeah, I lost it. Like, I don't know that I've cried that much in a show. And maybe again, this, you know, these things are not about us, but yeah. like it hit some chords in me because yeah. I have the mom that tries to keep it together for everybody is happy and helps everyone and yeah. blah, 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 which made me that person, which makes yeah. me feel bad for Rupert. Even though yeah. it's a piece of shit. Yeah. And I can't turn that off. And I wish I could. And I got that for my mom. Yeah. And that scene, let's do our own callback mm-hmm. to how you talked about the way that Ted talks about his panic attacks. Yeah. How it just hit you. Yeah. That scene hit me harder than I think any scene in ever show has. Like, yeah. I, even talking about it now, I'm getting like choked <laughs> up. It really hit something. Is it the thank you and fuck you monologue or is it the one she's talking to him? Both, I think. Okay. I think, and again, my mom is, you'll never hear me say anything bad about her. She's fucking perfection in my brain. 
But the way that he's able to say, like, I fucking love you with everything I have, but like, fuck you for making me deal with the things the way I had to deal with them. And also, I think sometimes we forget our parents are fucking people. Yeah. They are people and they don't have all their shit together. They're figuring it out as they go. Yeah. And like, you know, like when his mom's like, I didn't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. Like, what do you do? Your husband just killed himself. Yeah. What the fuck do you do with your kid? Yeah. What do you do? I will say the, the it's it's funny because I we all teared up for different reasons. When he breaks down because she says your son oh, misses God. you, that's the part that got me. That's the part where I'm like, I'm a dad. I have my own dad issues and stuff too. But now here's the thing. I'm going to take a hard turn here. And, and I won't say this is the one that stuck out to me, but the other places where it happened were because we didn't get a lot of Ted in the locker room this year, right? That, that no. this season, you don't get a lot of that. There's an entire episode where he's on hold, right? <laughs> on the parent teacher conference. Mm-hmm. It was very clear that the show was trying to show you what Ted Lasso without Ted Lasso was like. Now the whole thank you for and fuck you for monologue that he gives like the only other times we actually see him in the locker room seems too rehearsed. It seems too not off the cuff and it's almost like written like a, like a poem. Mm -hmm. I think there's ways you can act better there. I think there's ways that Jason Sudeikis could have sold it and, devil's advocate right that guy is dealing with some personal shit in his own life i was just gonna say do we think that that may have been a little close to home like when he originally wrote it he was in a different place than where he was when he shot that because going through his own divorce yeah he probably doesn't see his kids as much as he wants to and is dealing with his own shit so you might be right there where it may have just been too close to connect to personally yeah but i will say i mean there's even this in the locker room speeches too that he gave even the way if you go back to like seasons one and two the way he gives his like aw shucks kind of delivery to things this season anytime you see him give some kind of speech it's i don't know if it's just not acted well i don't know if that's an unfair thing to say but like it's not as smooth and seemingly interesting done in, in the moment kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think I felt it differently and I felt it as like, I always knew Ted was going home. Oh yeah. I think we all did. Yeah. I think that and I felt the same way. The exact, everything you're saying, I felt the same way. Yeah. But I felt like that was Ted trying to pull back mm-hmm. the whole season to show the team you're going to be fine without me. Like, I am not the reason yeah. that you guys are where you are right now. Like, sure, I'm part of the team, but like, you're going to be fine without me. And I felt like he was closing himself off emotionally a little mm-hmm. bit to allow them to connect more with Roy as a coach and more in those moments where like, yeah. emotionally, you're going to have to cut your ties with me. And emotionally, you're going to have to start attaching yourself yeah. to Roy, you know, I, I'm out. Yeah. And I think he always assumed Beard would be out with him, which I would love, love, love to talk about that scene with Beard when he goes to <laughs> Nate's house and we get a little bit of that. I always thought it was kind of weird in the beginning of the show. Like, why is he so blindly following this man? Yeah. Across the fucking yeah. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to find out why. I'm grateful they did that. Yeah. There was a little bit of pandering where I was like, okay. Did we have to make him a fucking drug addict? Yeah. But if you watch that episode where Beard just goes ham. Yeah. 
and has his epic night of adventure. And you get to see a little bit behind Beard, which is very true to Brendan Hunt as a person. Yeah, yeah, He's a brave man. I can see where that felt like pandering to just give that little tidbit of a backstory about why he's so loyal to Ted. But at the same time, I think it kind of tied up bows that made a lot more sense and made me emotionally attach myself to Beard where I had not before. Yeah. That said, there was another glaring omission in the finale that a lot of fans had pointed out. I want to see if you either noticed or have a similar thought. Ted would not not be at Beard's wedding. I'm sorry. That does not add up to me. Yeah, right? To have the bus driver as the officiant. <laughs> and and uh and Roy was a drag the, queen, which I love. Yeah. Roy was Roy the wasn't best man. there. All right. So this is kind of like I get it. Yeah. That Roy had just gone home. But I did not get the fucking timeline at the end. Oh no. Has Ted just flown home two days oh. ago? <laughs> and now all of this is happening? Like what and the, also I was like, oh, wait, he just wakes up on the plane at the end. Maybe it was a dream. Yeah, there was there was some thoughts about that, too. I literally like the minute the episode ended. My fiance and I were like Googling. Was this a dream? Is this real? Yeah. Did it really happen? Yeah, is. Yeah, fair. Is he really the it, coach? It, Did Beard get married at Stonehenge? Like, is this real? Yeah, it's one of those weird things. And funny enough, I'm going to go back and I hadn't thought about this really until now. But mentioning what I was saying about like the speeches that. Jason Sudeikis gave in character where I was like, I don't think he was selling it. I don't think he was acting as well as he could have. I think the same could be said for a lot of the moments in the finale at the, at the end of the episode, because there were questions about like even his interactions with his son when he's coaching soccer back at home at the end, end of the episode, people were like, I don't know. He doesn't really seem happy. Like you, like he returned home and like the journey's over and you would think that he'd be like, he would like smile. He's back with his ex-wife. Cause that the scenes yeah. talk about pandering. Yeah. <laughs> How did the doctor guy go from being this amazing, incredible guy to sitting in their living room being like, Oh no. Yeah, exactly. It's so boring. Yeah. You know, but I was like, that's not the same fucking character. You wrote four episodes. That's ago. what I mean. There was a lot of that where like characters took a major shift to like in service of a plot. And that's what I'm like, ah, oh, guys don't do that. Like, don't just, shift it because we have to tidy something up basically i didn't like that no it felt like if you wanted ted and michelle to get back together again because he moves home or at least they're on good terms and they're co-parenting yeah that's fine but like why make him suddenly an asshole yeah that version of that character would never talk like that in front of henry yeah about what his dad does for a living yeah right <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. No, no, no. I might have been I mean, reading right. into that. No, no, but that's the thing too. Is like, and I will say this, right? I, I, there is a lot of comparison between this and Barry, which I am excited to talk about. I can't wait to talk about. I will say, I this is this is me, and I'm, I'm explaining behind the scenes here at, at the podcast. I was making the the changes on like which shows are we going to cover first. We flipped Barry and Ted Lasso, and the reason for that, to be clear, has been I think Ted Lasso is more divisive than anything else. I agree. Than, than Barry. I agree. Barry, by the way, before we even do the episode, I was going to say that was like one of the greatest, like in a box, put the entire series in like a little jar and put it on display at a museum. It's like one of the greatest shows ever made, much yeah. less like so ex- well executed. We'll get there. But you can't help but make comparisons because of their connection to each other, right? Bill Hader and, and Jason Sudeikis, like their SNL careers and their comedy mm-hmm. careers. And they're just similar looking white guys, basically. But you can't help but make the comparison. And 
to that point, the acting and delivery and everything else that happened in Barry was masterclass. Whereas Ted, I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like he wasn't okay. really selling it, that speech. We are <laughs> so different. This is so funny because yeah. like to me, Barry was a different show to me. Yeah. I never emotionally invested who I was in to Barry. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's I fair. watched Barry. Yeah. I enjoyed Barry. I was like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. Bill Hader finally getting the flowers the man deserves. He's a goddamn <laughs> acting, writing genius. He's just truly incredible. And we'll talk more about that in the Barry episode where Jason Sudeikis has really gotten some wonderful opportunities that unfortunately Bill Hader has not gotten. No. Yeah, yeah you're right. And to that point, I think that we expect more from Jason Sudeikis than we do Bill Hader. And yeah. Bill Hader came fucking correct. Yeah. Beginning to end of Barry. Yeah. A plus acting, writing, delivery, everything. There wasn't a moment in that show where I felt like it was dragging. Yeah. Not a single second. Tight. Yeah. Very tight. Yeah. Yes, we cannot say the same about Ted Lasso, especially the last season. But emotionally, yeah. Ted Lasso, I think even if the final season or series is divisive, I think everybody can say, I fucking cried. Yeah. Like this show brought yeah. us all to our knees collectively. And I think. I have not had a show hangover like this in a very long time. Yeah. I don't want to be the, the do the cliche thing and tie it back to like, hey, we watched this during the pandemic and we were all alone and we watched the and show. And I didn't, which is so weird. Yeah. But I think what, and, and I mentioned it before too, is what I appreciate about the show is that it, it beats to its own drum, right? It's like, yeah. we're going to put out a positive message. If you, Jason Sudeikis hosted SNL in the middle of the show being a giant hit and he gave this monologue on stage where it was heartfelt and talked about how, and he was a kid is what he dreamed of. And it was so positive and this, like, like just a whole different vibe. And, and it's kind of funny because you remember that, um, who's Jim on the office? What I forget his name, John Krasinski, John Krasinski. Do you remember during the pandemic, he put out that like good news, good news. That was so yeah. great. Yeah. Okay. I was literally crying because I had to go to work and I was terrified and I hated the work I was doing. And I literally would watch those. To like put me in a good mental place because I was so fucking dark. Yeah. <laughs> During the pandemic. It was fantastic. And do you remember how like he started out and like just he was like just doing his own thing. And then all of a sudden it like yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden like it was sold to Viacom and then John wasn't hosting it anymore. Now it's a whole franchise, yeah. the whole corporate thing. Everyone's like, Jesus, guy who was like making little like good news story, you know, fake newscast with his kids in the background with like their, you know now sold to like a multi-million dollar corporation isn't involved is it's its its own yep. it, it, in that same vibe in that same kind of feel of like going from something that was personal and homegrown to something that was like oh no you sold it to a corporation and now the feel good vibes is 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 for sale it's it's a it's a product yep. now in the same vein i think jason sedakis and uh, especially around the first season was like this is it we're doing something different we're doing a show that's like I mentioned in the, in the other episode of this podcast we did about how I was so positively enamored by the fact that they just took the concept of a bad guy, right? Rebecca's character being like, ooh, she's the villain. She's the nemesis to Ted and, you know, working behind the scenes to bring him down. And they just toss it out, right? They're just like, no, no, no. He's like, I'm okay. Like, you know, I forgive you, right? Everything's okay. Just disarms the entire situation. And then especially season two, which I think was great, 
just kept going, right? Like there were like little nemesis mm-hmm. here and like people like just, you know, conflicts here and there, but there was never a nemesis overall anymore. And it was like, holy wow, you did a show like a comedy drama series with essentially no bad guys. You set everyone up to an expectation, demolished it, and it was all about positive energy and feel good and overcoming mental yeah. health issues and all this other stuff. And I love that. I think that was great. I think the fact that Jason Sudeikis and N team, by the way, created this series with such a unique tone and agenda was fantastic. But then you, you get to season three and as we're tying all this stuff up to your point, like it's not the show it used to be and that's okay. Things grow and change, but for a show that started out there, with this story of this guy who like literally went to London to give his wife space because he was trying to save his marriage or he was lying or whatever. But I also think we learned that's what he's taught from his mom. Yeah. And and even when he's given that speech, right? Even when he's given the speech yeah. to his mom and she's pointing it out to him too, is like, he's still just like protecting everyone around him by burying and swallowing his own feelings, which yeah. again, I, I relate to too. But even as he's yelling at his mom and, and unraveling to her about what she did to him, he's still doing it to the people around him, which we get. I think that is what we eventually sort of like he releases like you don't need me anymore. Ooh, that mom city episode really like rubbed me the wrong way as yeah. great as it was. And I loved it. It was like you're getting annoyed with your mom yeah. for literally being your clone. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah. You're mad because she's telling everyone stories about yeah. we'll do it in a little bit. We'll talk. We've got definitely some more characters to talk about. But yeah, I told you this is going to be way longer yeah. than an hour, my friend. <laughs> she's literally Ted. Yeah. Wrapped in boobs and southern hair. Yeah. One of my favorite things is when she's sitting in the locker room talking to the boys. And she's like, did I ever tell you boys about the time that Ted ate poop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then if you remember, there's the episode where he talks about the kid that he grew up with. And I heard some kids will eat poop wrapped in a Butterfinger wrapper. Oh. He's the kid that ate the shit. Oh, I didn't realize that. And his mom tells the whole locker room, Ted's a kid that ate the shit. Yeah. And he's like super pissed that she told that story. But like, that's who you are, Ted. And like, you are the same person as your mom. Yeah. He's getting mad at her for like changing the story. He's getting mad at her for being him. Yeah. I think we would be remiss not to talk about Roy, but also Mm -hmm. Trent Krim. You know, like they both played huge roles. And I think that one of my favorite moments, especially being the nerd that I am. Do you remember the scene when they're talking about their favorite Julie Andrews roles? When they're all talking about how hot Julie Andrews is. Yeah. And Roy says, easy, Maria. When he doesn't want to be a diamond dog, but he's on the conversation. He just says Maria from The Sound of Music. Yeah. And then at the very end, Mm -hmm. their last practice, when you think that like, they're not going to do anything, nothing special. And they all start singing from the sound of music. So long farewell. Yeah. Without saying it again, something that happens off camera. And I think why I love the show so much is who did that? Roy. Roy's mm-hmm. already admitted that his favorite Julie Andrews yeah. oh, I character yeah. is Maria. Yeah. So, you know, in that moment, who got them together to do this fucking ridiculous thing, choreographed it, made it happen. Yeah. Roy. Yeah. And like, what a glow up from his character. And and even when Ted says, hey, would you care if Nick came back? He's like, no, he knows how to do the fucking shit. I don't know how yeah. to do it. <laughs> you know, like there's just so much. But with Roy, I think his character was growing the whole show. Yeah. We're not getting some magical fucking moment. Although I did think he was going to bang his niece's teacher. Kind of glad he didn't. Yeah. But like, you know, he ends up back with Keely ish. 
they're hooking up and that's great. Yeah. I love him and Jamie's relationship and, yeah. and how that happens. And I think we have to talk about Jamie Tart, but that scene yeah. where they're in the bar, I love that Jamie finally orders a beer because Roy says he can, even though he's in training. Mm-hmm. And Jamie orders the beer that Keeley gets him to be the spokesperson of. I didn't realize that. It's one of Keeley's first yeah, yeah. gigs for Jamie. It's like Dunkel. Oh, wow. I, I didn't even pick up on that either. You, there's a lot of Easter eggs I guess I missed. The internet told me, yeah. Tom. <laughs> I, the internet. And yeah. I, what's your, my favorite, and I'll, mm-hmm. I will, we'll talk more about Jamie Tart, but my favorite moment, Jamie Tart, well, no, there's a million, but mm-hmm. one that the internet told me about, the tick and the talk, when Nate's back and he comes back around and in the beginning of the show, when he's, they're collecting money for Sam's birthday present, Jamie puts gum yeah. inside the suggestion box yep. and he's wearing us a, a hat that says icon. Yeah. And then at the end, when they've got the suggestion box and Roy puts it back around, Jamie throws extra money in that yep. he owes. He throws in what he owes, throws extra, and his hat says ICOG. So he went from being like an individual player to saying, like, I'm just a cog in the wheel. Yeah. I'm like one of the team. Yeah. Now. And I just, oh, I loved it. Uh, and you get to meet his mommy. Yeah. Well, and one funny Jamie tidbit that I know. Again, more behind the scenes stuff because I, I tend to gravitate there. Him and Brett Goldstein, who's Roy, would just try to make each other crack up. And yeah, they're besties. In, in the script, when they were talking about poop, it was just poop. And then guy who plays uh, Phil Dunster, who plays Jamie, goes can, it goes to the writers and is like, well, right here is this poop. Can I call it poopé? Poopé. And, and then he did that as just like, a, I'm going to try to make Roy laugh. And then it turned out it did and plus it actually was a good line so they kept it incredible so that became like his catchphrase all season like poop i fucking love that and i i mean back to the jamie thing i love the callback to nate's trick play yeah yeah that helps them win that game with jamie is and i and i had to look back on this because i was like i'm not getting the reference when they call nate up to the line and they're in the this is obviously in the finale and he's saying he's pretending to pass him an Oscar. Yeah. And he's like, it's heavy, it's heavy. And Nate's pretending that it's heavy. And it's a callback to season one, episode three, when Nate creates his trick play and, and Ted's like, you've got to give an Oscar worthy performance. Like you're at the SAPs. Like, pass me the ball, pass me the ball, pass yeah. me the ball. And he does this whole thing. And then Jamie sees that they do that and does it exactly to the point, to the T that Ted does. And it wins the game for them. And I thought that was so like a great callback, of course, but also very reminiscent of Jamie's character because who he became. I mean, I did. We all think we were going to end this show being like, oh, my favorite character season three was Jamie Tart. No, I absolutely thought his arc was over and that him coming back to the team was the end. And I thought that was it. But I will say I didn't expect him to be a you know, arc of the season. I'm glad he did. Right. Cause I think we got uh Phil Dunster who plays him. Like I think did a great job. And, and that's again, I, I I'm thinking a very uh, unemotional look at this, which I'm realizing, but I'm looking at it from like the, who did the best job based on the, their acting abilities and with the writing, yeah. but I'll bring this back to you. Cause I know you'll love this one. Have you seen the theories or maybe they're also shippings of them trying to say that where it ended was that Keely Roy and, and Jamie were in like a polyamorous couple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. 
I don't know if that's. I, I doubt. I mean, I, I, mean, doubt I, I don't and, think that's true. But I it just think, it, yeah. it's fun. Yeah, no. It, I I think that Roy's character, Jamie's character. I love them. I love that. You might feel differently, but I do like that we eventually get to meet Jamie's mom and see him just as a boy whose mom doesn't give a shit how he plays. Just that he's happy. It does remind me about how how much younger he is. I mean, that, that was the main thing about the episode was like, oh wow, he's a, he's much younger than them. Uh, the Roy Kent poster with the hair. Oh yeah. my god, yeah, that's great. So bad. I love it so much. Uh, and I will say with with Jamie the big thing with him. I mean, like well, we've talked about him at length, but Jamie's character is so important to the third season. But I think he's also not pan do you felt it was a little pandery in that moment when they're back at his mom's house and they where follow like, him to where yeah, his they, dad's sober and it's like yeah i get that his dad's sober but like you're not forgiving your dad that fucking quickly no no it's really funny i mean i have my own father okay. issues too and the whole time i'm thinking man that that was that was uh, Ted Lasso of like I it would it would not be that easy especially yeah. how hard and like physically violent his dad was to him you'd be like I don't know if I'm just gonna go for you were just an alcoholic the whole time that's that's all that was um, to be clear someone can be an alcoholic but also an asshole right I, I know a lot of guys sure can who, sure who can be can. one the other or both there was a lot of stuff here I will say you know it, funny enough there's stuff that I think the show didn't say that I was happy they didn't because, again, I hate spoon feeding the audience. But there's other stuff that I think they should have said or should have d- did that they didn't that I'm like, ah, oh, that's a disappointing choice. Ooh, give us an example. I'm happy they didn't have to re-explain or beat us over the head that Keely was bisexual. Right. It oh, just, yeah. It's just like yeah, she's dating. <laughs> like it's not unf- unfathomable that she's dating a woman. Uh, that's OK. That's just who she is. She is who she is. Even if the ending is, you know what? Keely doesn't need a man in her life to be happy. Like she can be an independent woman. On the flip side to that, we watched Roy torture himself as this character who's like, I messed up. I pushed her away because I was scared. And but now I'm, I'm learning from my mistakes and I'm trying to correct them. Uh, to be clear, I like the choice they made with Keely as a character. If we didn't have as much investment in Roy. Roy's still a main character. We want to see him be happy too. He is. And like, I, I love that they end it with him going to therapy and Dr. Yeah. Fieldstone is back. And I love that she's like going fucking nuts in her apartment for the yeah. game. And like, I mean, there's just little things that you just, it felt good. It felt like a hug. Perfect example is the kid that asks for an ussy. Yeah. When they're on the plane on the way there, and then it's the same kid that shows up in the finale, asks for an ussy. It's the same flight attendant from the first episode. That's the last episode. Wicked. There's, Pinky boots. Yeah, it's wicked. They give us little hugs, but they also give you kind of, I mean, like you've said it before, the the pandering thing. And, okay, I want to know how you feel about it, because I feel okay. like you're going to think it was a little too corny for your liking. Okay. But I cried really fucking hard Mm -hmm. in the moment where everybody starts taking out their pieces of the believe sign that they've all shared. (laughs) Yeah. And Jamie was gifted the beautiful and the damned. Again, I'm a huge book nerd. Yeah. By F. Scott Fitzgerald. And we see that Roy was gifted, you know, a wrinkle in time. And like Ted really took time to gift these guys books that he thought would get through to them. 
And Jamie's so pissed when he's gifted this book, right? Yeah. He throws it up the top of his locker. Yeah. And you think he's never going to read the thing. And then when they go to get it, if you look at his copy of The Beautiful and the Damned, mm-hmm. it is fucking tattered beyond belief. Yeah. He has read this thing so many times. And that's where he tucks <laughs> the belief sign. And I loved that. And it's same with like Sam Obasanya at the end. You get to see the picture of him finally making the Nigerian Football League. You know, he's finally on the on it. Again, I think a little pandery. Yeah. You know, and also the what she called the the fortune teller. That yeah. Rebecca's mom pays for talks about the style of. Do you remember what it's called when you fit the Chinese fit? They fix things with gold leaf. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Rebecca sits down and she's like, do you remember, you know, have you ever heard of this? When we fix things with gold leaf, the Chinese believe that you fix things and it enhances it. It's better than when it first started. And she shows that her the bowl. Yeah. It's fixed in the cracks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when Nate puts together the sign, he uses gold. Yeah. He paints in between the ripped pieces with gold, kind of a callback to the therapist, like, you know. Oh, fuck, I should probably remember what it's called. I don't remember what it's called, though. What's I'll it called? It. I don't know. I, I Oh, it's Kintsugi. Nope, that I'm not saying it right. It's Japanese and not Chinese, and I oh, do wow. apologize for that, but it's a Japanese art of kin, Kintsugi, and men's broken things with gold. Oh, wow. While things are beautiful while embracing the flaws. And that's what he does with the belief sign. Yeah. Again, very beautiful but yeah. are we pandering the same way that they show the rainbow couple the older yeah. couple that they believe is based off the titanic they show them again i will say i'll say this i we know the show is sappy right like it's it's different okay. when yeah. it's like barry and it's a show about a, a you know guy who murders people assassin. a little bit different yeah assassin tiny bit different yeah but just a reminder it's murder right like assassin sounds cool and spy it's like no he's a murder he's murder he's, he's straight up murdering people yeah yeah this show it's okay for them to go sappy it's not unfounded it's it's part of the the culture of the show but that said you don't need to beat people over the head with it i honestly i i was okay with those little things right like if everyone kept a piece of the sign because you can almost knowing the characters and knowing the players and everybody you can almost see them like where the sign got ripped up and then being like guys we should you know having like with amongst themselves because we see that a lot this season too of them you Mm -hmm. know the dynamic of the team and their and their belief in you know structure and and the rules and and all this other stuff of believing that they're gonna like they're superstitious about the sign in the beginning so to have a theory that like they all kept a piece of the sign because they didn't stop believing. I think that's fine. I'm okay with that. Okay. That's acceptable. There are other things in here. Again, I think were to your point, like the random heel turn of the boyfriend. I didn't really heel turn, but like just a shift in character dynamic and who he is of being this guy who, you know, hitting all the anxieties of a guy of your, you know, ex-wife moving on and being like, Oh my God, is this guy better than me? Like, is, is he a better guy is he a better man yeah. and is he doing better for my family than i could have and then all of a sudden he's like duh, duh, is this like football like just not getting it he's whatsoever. a dick yeah. yeah 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 it's like where did that come from he went from being this guy who's like you need would have been more powerful to for her to be like you know what i want to give my marriage another chance i don't love him right that mm-hmm. 
more in, in a more realistic manner. But also, again, there's a personal life here involved with the creator of the show. So you, you can't discount For that. Sure. And, I, and I mean, I will tell you, I think everybody has a favorite moment. Mine yeah. from the episode was, and I want to say it was episode one or two, mm. Trent Krim stands up in the press room. He says, you know, Trent Krim, independent, which my voice probably sounds pretty accurate to it now. But he says, can you even explain the offside rule? Yeah. Ted has no fucking idea. Yeah. The whole show, Ted's like, I just don't understand offsides. Yeah. And the very last episode, everybody's freaking out because West Ham yeah. scores the goal. And Ted's so calm, he's like, 14 was offside. <laughs> and he finally fucking gets the offsides rule. Yeah. The goal's not counted. And I was just like, damn. Yeah. That was such a good yeah, I like callback. Yeah. That was really good. I get that not everybody gets callbacks because sometimes when you're watching a show, you're not watching it for, oh, better remember this so that I yeah. can apply it in right. 27 episodes. But this show did a really good job. I would say only because I mentioned it in our Ted Lesso episode about the Cheers connection. Yeah. Do you remember this? Okay. He's the nephew of George Wendt mm -hmm. from who played Norman Cheers in the pub at the very end. She has the picture of Geronimo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she's adjusting it because it's crooked. It's the exact same thing that happens when Sam Malone in Cheers in the finale does at the very last shot of Cheers. It's the same picture. He does yeah. the same thing. It's crooked and he adjusts it. I loved that callback because that's a very nerdy callback. Yeah. Not everyone's going to get that. And I liked that. I liked Dr. Sharon's callback. I also love that at the very end, you see Danny Rojas is in a fucking thruple at the <laughs> wedding. He's got two girlfriends. Yeah. Someone, someone actually him. mentioned there's a point when Zava sends the shirts. And yeah, he's like, I don't want sends the shirts. And then he says something else. And then he's like, can I have two? Someone's like, oh, is that for both of his girlfriends? Uh, yeah. And it's funny if you pause the scene where it's reading the, the paper yeah. with Rebecca. Yes. He's What's funny LA. is he's in L.A., he plays for the L.A. Kings, and he says, I've heard that they love avocado toast here. Yeah. Oh, did you see the newspaper <laughs> next to it? He's right. Which one? I don't remember, because I did watch a TikTok on this, and so it'll probably call back for this me. Is, this is it. to the right. It's Keely's friend that she fired. Oh, yes, with the biggest dating app. Yes. Starfucker. On fire. Yeah. Yeah. Starfucker. Yeah. Oh, God, that's so good. <laughs> I love that. Do you have a favorite moment? In the in the finale, finale? yeah, oh, that's a good question. I mean, let's just say third season because we did the first two seasons. Let's say third season. It is tough because I think I said this during the podcast for Succession was once you get to the end, it's like you don't really have to go back to the beginning of that episode, right? Because everything that happens mm -hmm. really happens in the last few minutes, and, and there's no bearing from priors. There's a lot of that in this season of Ted Lasso. I'm thinking a much more negative turn. This is this is definitely like a good cop, bad cop episode. Not beating on the whole thing, but I will say like I saw the critiques that were very similar about like how his total football concept that he comes up with that apparently already existed like happened way later in the season or like sort of happened. Yeah, way way later in the season, rather than mm -hmm. rather than them building up or, or like or they just they just kind of took to it pretty quick. There weren't a lot of story arcs beyond to your point of like them setting up the callbacks for like you know Rebecca with the fortune teller or uh, a handful of other things where 
they were set up and then knocked down way later. Mm-hmm. You can trim up this season a lot. God, we're so different in this. I like, I, I like, I, I also think that I was grasping at straws because mentally not in a great place right now. So I was like, oh, yeah. I need all the good feels yeah. I can get. <laughs> I mean, I get that. Absolutely. And I don't think anything takes away from the finale for them from the last season. It could have been smaller, even at that point, too. It's like, hey, you could have met Bill Lawrence halfway, did a regular extra third season and then ended it in the fourth season. Because mm-hmm. I don't think there wasn't anything that felt like, oh, my God, here we go. Like the ending is coming. You are correct. Yes. Yeah. Like Agreed. to talk about there's the story arc of, you know, Ted's arc, if you will. Like something I want to correct also, because I said it before. The story is to go that we've tied a bow on Ted's marriage. Ted is not going back to the to the U.S. to save his marriage. To be with his wife. Right. Absolutely not. That, yeah. that ship has sailed. Although, again, left more ambiguous again about, you know, maybe they'll save it for the Christmas special. Do we think that's because Jason Sudeikis is still hoping Olivia Wilde comes back? <laughs> I just thought Harry Styles left her. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're him and you're writing a, of a TV show uh, universe, you're not going to want the other guy to stick around. You're not going to want the Harry Good Styles call. for Ted Lasso. Yeah. To, <laughs> Good like, call. Yeah. I can let go of little things, right? Like I saw people pointing out, like there are no direct flights between London and Kansas city. Something as simple as that. I can get over that. I can get over. We're seeing flash forwards while Ted is still on the plane. And then he comes home, you know, car service directly to his, to his wife's house. Yeah. Now, you know, all those like little things, those little nuanced things. Fine. But the series was about him returning home to his kid. Right. Him re- like I agree. Becoming Always. A, like, the whole show. Yeah. Right. Especially taking a step back and I can't, I'm not, I'm not agreeing with Bill Lawrence to be clear. <laughs> but even the way like, cause you had the Nate storyline, which you kind of expected like, you know, Nate was essentially looking at Ted as like a father figure before eventually releasing that and just looking at him as a peer. Right. He's still like, a, you know, a mentor maybe, but like he's a little bit closer to being a peer. He resolves his own dad issues, which that's another one we didn't really touch on. But how do we go from closed off, emotionless father to just letting him unravel in a single scene and everything's better now? I don't know. That was way too quick. We got like it, it, you can't just like wrap up closure for a character by just like changing character. The father was emotionless constantly. And then. Completely. And then there's just one scene where he's then he's crying to his son. Like, it's like, this is not the same character. Did we miss something? Was there an entire like two month period of them releasing the valve? Plays the, the violin. His yeah. dad's just going to cry. <laughs> I and, wish. And they left. They did not work. They put stuff in there, too, to get you to a point of like, he is a different person, right? Like the whole way that the father wooed Nate's mother and writing her, mm-hmm. like giving the map and everything. That's, that's very true. Right. That's, that's very great. true. That's character development, right? Even if he's not on screen, it's development on the character. That person exists. Yes. Right. So you're taking these little incremental steps and then you're just like blowing past, hitting the express lane and then just jumping right to emotional breakdown. And so that's the stuff where I'm just like, well, the episode was a little bit longer than they could have been. And maybe that's also a point of like, it could have been two seasons. You can slice this thing in half and make a second. 100% season. this could have had another season. Um, I Well... I don't want to stop talking about the characters because I think we could forever and always. Yeah. And I hope we touched on everybody. Yeah. But 
Something that we had talked about right before we started recording, and I've seen a bunch of TikToks on this, is kind of the correlation between Ted Lasso and The Wizard of Oz. Oh, I was going to ask you about this because you mentioned it up front. Okay. No, I so, it. Of course, Ted is Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Kansas. Need I say more? Okay. Okay. Take it. And, you know, he's leaving Kansas. He's, you know, blah, 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 blah. There is definitely, I've seen a bunch of TikToks about this where they, they kind of say that People are different things like Beard is Toto. He's is he a company Dorothy's. Yeah, he's the loyal companion. Yeah. Diamond dog all day. Mm-hmm. Everything. Keely is Glinda. She's the good witch. Okay. Pink everything. Yeah. Like the girl's wrapped in pink, but also she's the first friend. Mm-hmm. She's loyal to everybody. She has like a big heart. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some conflicting things where like Rebecca's the wizard. Because in the beginning, she's so great and powerful and she's got mm-hmm. all these walls up and eventually Ted breaks them down and she's yeah kind of broken and, mm-hmm. and needs Ted just as much as he needs her in the job. I've seen different things like I'm, I'm just going to go out and say that Nate, cowardly lion, like, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. Roy has got to be the tin man. You mm-hmm. don't think he has a fucking heart. And yeah. by the end of it, he's a big mush. Yeah. And I've seen people say that Jamie's the scarecrow. That like he needed to find his brain to figure out how to empathize and like be in the world. Because in the beginning, you're like, what a fucking idiot. Yeah. But who would you put in the Wicked Witch spot? Would you put, um, what's his name, Rupert? If you're following that, yeah. Okay. But I mean, you can also just, I mean, you know, you can do the Ted Lasso thing, unravel it and make it your own thing and just be like, ah, generally it's mental health. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know. I mean, this show touches on mental health so much. It is such a core part of the... And ironically enough, much less so than Barry, a show about people who, you know, literally have mental breakdowns. And I don't know. I mean, I love that a concept of like, this is really... But in that, if we're following that trajectory, does that mean this has all been a dream? That they they were all... I don't know. In the end, when they get married at Stonehenge... I don't know the cinematography terminology, mm. but like the edges are very blurred. Okay. And yeah, everything looks almost dreamlike. Okay. Yeah. So everything looks almost dreamlike. Everything's like kind of just like blurry yeah. and wavy. And yeah, I don't want to be sad and say that like, oh, it had to have been a dream. But I remember seeing Brendan Hunt doing a interview after the show and he was like, no, everything happened. That was not a dream. Hmm. So I'm kind of going with that. Yeah. If he says that, I'm going with it. Yeah. And I mean, one character that we don't talk about in the episode we just did, plus this one, Higgins. Yeah, I love Higgins. He's so Higgins. fucking good. Yeah, I love him. He's so good. He was the cowardly lion. I mean, he's the I one who, right. yeah. like, he was afraid. He's like, and actually, it's really funny. I was just reading, um, and I got to print it out for you. It's going to be a gift. There is the pilot episode script that I came across. For Ted Lasso. There's a few different changes from what what actually happened in the end, but like it is the pilot script. And the way Higgins's character is written is that he is this guy who is just timid and scared of everything. Like there's that scene in the beginning where she's like, oh, do you want this painting? He's like, that's worth like 150,000 pounds. She's like, oh, well, like, you know, thanks for telling me that this goes to the auction. He does grow a heart, right? It's after she fires him and he Mm -hmm. kind of like finds like joy in his life and just by being himself. Oh God. And that scene with when they do Christmas at his house and how yeah. they'd only had one or two players yeah. who didn't have families and what a testament to the culture they create mm-hmm. when 
they end up having like 20 of the players yeah. at his house for Christmas. It's like one of my yeah. favorite episodes, hands down. Well, is that where they do the barbecue in the end of the episode? That is, right? It's at Higgins' house. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think he comes like out in front of his house. Yeah. yeah. I think he comes outside. But I will say. We have to talk about Will. Will. Oh, Will. The kid man. <sighs> I I, I love Will. I love the fact that, like, again, we don't have to do everything. We don't have to make a big deal out of every single character. Obviously, Nate was a. Yes, we do. (laughs) I mean, us. Yes, we do. I mean, I mean, the show doesn't have to, like, explore. But I love how every character has their little side adventure. Come up and. Yeah. Yeah. Like when he went to Netherlands and, uh, you know, everyone had their wild night. So did he. Absolutely. He had his wild night. I love it. Did he call his mother after to tell her? Too. <laughs> like every single time there's a serious moment with mm. Roy and a player. Yeah. Will's just in the background. Yeah. Shining dirty ass fucking yeah. disgusting cleats with like little nuggets of yeah. information and, and wisdom. <laughs> and I also just love the fact that him and Higgins had this like little buddy ship for like Their little adventure love, yeah. and he play and Higgins plays on stage and Will yeah. is just like the biggest fan girl. <laughs> yeah. It's so cute. When it comes to this show. Mm-hmm. I did feel like a hangover and it was so cute. My fiance was so sad. He hates when things end. Yeah. He's the same way when Christmas is over and we've still got the decorations yeah. up and the next day he's like, I'm so sad. Yeah. He really hates when things end that he loves. And he had a really fucking hard time. The day after we watched the finale, he was getting ready for work in the morning. He's like, I can't believe there's a world. Ted Lasso is no more. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes because we make this a, you know, it's, it's for the show. So we're dissecting characters and we have all these opinions. I think we kind of forget the fact that this show saved people. Yeah, absolutely. Truly saved people. And we kind of talk about it a little bit. And like, again, he and I did not watch it in a time where we were alone. Neither one of us experienced a pandemic the same way that other people yeah. did. But we were in our own dark place. We had just lost our dog who was yeah. like our first dog together who was literally my heart and soul and we were in our own like weird very sad place and this show just brought yeah. happiness into a world where we felt like i mean we literally got engaged three days before our dog passed mm-hmm. and we felt no happiness about our engagement because he did it because he wanted her to be there and we were just so sad and this show came shortly after that and it was just like such a bright light yeah. in a very dark place for us where it did the same thing for people during the pandemic. So I think that you and I have been hypercritical of it because we've attached so much to it. Like it ha- yeah. we wanted it to be perfect because it was yeah. up until the third season. And I kind of, even though I'm joking about how much I'm being a softy, there were definite things in this season, and I, I don't want to ignore them, where I was like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. But that said, and I will say this, to, to give a little light at the end of the tunnel, a little hope, a little believe, right, <laughs> is you don't see Ted at Beard's wedding, right? That's a, the very yeah. much established. In my opinion... Again, knowing TV writing and TV production and all that stuff, I feel like if Ted left and then, you know, a part of his montage reunited with his old friends, it would have sold short the real reunion they want to do for a special or a one-off. And I guarantee that's what's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I really like that. Right. Because if they just glossed over and they insinuated like, oh, yeah, Ted goes back to, you know, visit his old friends in London or goes to Beard's funeral at Stonehenge. 
that happens all the time. No, they reunite. Not funeral wedding. Oh, we, oh Tom Jesus loves Christ! Oh, wow. weddings, guys. He has a wonderful wife, <laughs> Dale. If you're listening to this, he loves you. I mean, it, it goes to the good cop, bad cop vibes we have this whole yeah. episode of me being like it's a funeral. But yeah, I mean, knowing how this stuff goes, I would put money on the fact that that you know, sometime next year you're going to hear about. There's going to be the Ted Lasso Christmas special. Ted's going to take his kid and we're going to tie up those other loose ends that people are kind of like, oh, it's ambiguous. No real answer. But if it is the last, I OK, I'll take it. But if it's not, you could probably explain a little bit more. You know, okay. Keely Roy, especially it's all about relationships and people tend to latch on to relationships in shows. So I if, do. Definitely. Yeah. I'm so easily influenced. Yeah. And like, I love the fact that little baby Henry Lasso is wearing number nine, which is Jamie Tart's number. I, I love that Jamie that. Tart wore Sam Obisanya's number when he played for England. That was such a beautiful moment. That made me cry, cry. I'm just going to share with you what my fiance thought the end of the show would be. Okay. And I'm a little sad that it wasn't because I think because I attached myself to this at the end of season two, he really thought that the final episode was going to end with. And we've got to talk about Trent Krim and what a great character he ended up being and how great ally to Colin through his journey about coming out being gay. But I I think that I loved this idea that my fiance thought the show would end with Henry, Mm -hmm. Ted's son, reading the book that Trent Krim wrote Uh about why his dad left him all those years ago and the amazing work that he did. And we were going to get kind of a peek into Ted kind of thought of himself as this great dad. And at the end of the day, I'm sorry, but if you're halfway across the world, you're chasing your dreams, yeah. not the dreams for your family. You're yeah. not a good dad. Yeah. You're not being a good dad in that moment. You might be a good dad, but you're not being a good dad in that moment. Yeah. And we see that in Henry's behavior. He's reacting and not doing well in yeah. school and being the bully. Yeah. And so that was the way that he thought the show was going to end as it would end with Henry finally mm. reading the book about where his dad was and what his dad was doing yeah. all those years ago. Yeah. And I like that moment where Trent's like, I came up with the title and it's the lasso way. Yeah. And it's so Ted Lasso, the mm-hmm. character to be like, no, yeah, this is the Richmond way. Yeah. This is not the Ted Lasso. Way. Yeah. And so I really love that moment. But I felt attached to an ending that didn't happen. Did you have an idea of how you thought it was going to end? And were you bummed that it didn't? Well, yes, I did. And in two things, I'll throw this out. Do you want to share it or no? I'm absolutely going to. But before I forget, two things. One, there's something that Ted, I think, says in explanation as to like why he didn't like bring his kid to London. And I am. He's like, I don't want to take away from everything he knows. Right. And in my back of my brain, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I, I've been a kid. I have my kid. My kid would, if I'm like, hey, we're going to move to London. Oh, my God. That would be fantastic. And on top of that, yeah, you're never really. And again, maybe it's ambiguous on purpose. Maybe it's supposed to be set up that way. You don't. It's like, well, what what does he have there? <laughs> right. He has his mom and his mom's boyfriend. So I don't know what like whole life he has over there. It's not like he's talking about his best friends or anything like that. And like. Yeah, what would it be to like have your kid live in London? You can have it all kind of thing for a, for at least for a year, right? Or during the season, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And then second, I will say, spoiler alert for Barry, 
because I mean, if you're listening to an episode of us talking about stuff, you you can expect that we're going to talk about that show. You didn't walk into this necessarily expecting us to talk about Barry. I'm going to say I'm going to talk about Barry's finale right now. To your point, that was the ending of Barry. Yes. And then now while we're there too, because again, I love that finale. I will say, and this is this is just I don't know what's wrong with me, but I mentioned this to my wife too, and I'm like. There are two kids. There's a kid in each of these episodes, each of these shows, right? That are the children of the title character. I have like zero empathy attachment to Ted's son. Barry's son looked at him like dad. And I'm like, oh my God, my heart's broken. I don't know if that kid just sold it. But Ted's kid, I'm just like, that's like the kid that walks up to you. He's peripheral. I get it. I'm like, get away, kid. You don't (laughs) just leave me alone. You're you're annoying me. 100% 100% agree with you. <laughs> the, the kid that played that so part, hard. adorable. He was like a real kid, right? Like he was a real kid. Well, that was the thing. He's like, not he, an actor. He was just yes, a real yes. kid. He is absolutely someone's someone's son who is like a pretty... It was goofy, Bill Lawrence big front teeth. Something. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that was the thing too, because like the scenes, you compare... Again, I, again, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing the comparison... But okay, it's, stay tuned for the next episode, folks, on Barry. The the kid who played Barry's son was so, and again, he's in this state of like of, of insanity. I don't want to get into it now, but uh, he's sheltered and like like looks up to his father more than anyone else in the world. His father is his god, and just like any like little look, his dad says, you know convinces him that playing baseball will get him killed <laughs> and then he's like mommy i don't want to play baseball like just his um, i'm like oh my god my heart breaks for that kid i want to i want to rescue him. i want to hug him ted's yeah. kid he's like you know the i don't know the acting he needed a few more acting classes or something i don't Jesus or Christ. i had to say or at the same time i don't know i just i was oh, like i have oh. no connection to this kid <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. recast recast i don't know oh, no was, um but to the point of your ending, but to the point but of that's alternate. because that's because Phoebe, the other kid in the show, fucking killed it. Yeah. Oh, my God. All the other kids. Phoebe did. killed it. Phoebe killed it. Even um, Rebecca's goddaughter. Goddaughter. Yes. Yeah. Killed it. All the other kids killed it. I love that Ted has the reunion with the girl who he has like a little dribble with in the beginning of the yeah. show. Yeah. Her name Hannah, I think. They clearly um, wa- they clearly like went back and watched the first episode again to, re- to rehash. And, uh, you know, we didn't talk about. Which is such a great scene is Ted finally does that like running man in the circle with the team that he does with Wichita State. Yeah. Which was awesome. Yeah. I will say if I was in the writer's room for this one. Oh, uh, God. I think. You know, there's someone someone says something somewhere in the show. It might have even been in the finale about you're always moving forward. Right. You're always moving Mm -hmm. forward. Which I think is a great theme, right? Especially when you're looking at like the relationship between Keely and Roy, her business, every everything in everyone's lives, right? They're all moving forward. I think they're talking about that when they're talking about like forgiveness or can people change, right? All that kind of stuff. That said, right? The ending to it to just be like, and then Ted just returned to his life in Kansas City, basically. Like... I know it, it felt forced. Right. And maybe it didn't have yeah. to necessarily be like sassy, but I know we were all like shipping Ted and sassy being like, Oh, like yeah. 
just her. Especially you. Yeah. When I listened to the other episodes, you're like, Den Sassy. Oh, you're ending yeah. up together. I know it. I fucking love Sassy, yeah. by the way. Like, let's, let's just revisit her for a second. Yeah. The way she talks to Rupert. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Good Lord, marry me. Yeah. It's so good. I will say I very clearly have have a thing for uh, Sassy. I think that's okay. That's, that's I think we all do. Obvious. That said, I think it would have been fine for that, right? I, I think it would have been cathartic to see Ted move forward, right? If that is him, like, figuring out a balance between his, his life with his son and mm-hmm. with someone else to move on with his life in London, right? Continue on being the coach or retire. Go back to the States. That's fine. But like live his own life. Yeah. That ambiguousness of like, you know, we already tied up his marriage in a bow. That's that's over and done with. Right. I don't think. But they is it? I don't think it is. But that's the thing. What I meant by that is in I think it's back in like season one where he has that conversation with his wife of just being like, I'm letting you go. Right. I'm, I'm not yeah. going to fight. to Agree. OK. This. So, yes, that has happened. Yeah. I just feel like the douchebag. Doctor. Yeah. He wasn't a douchebag until that episode. Right. I felt like that was leaving open like. Yeah. Maybe Michelle's like, okay, I thought I could find better. Clearly I can't. Like yeah. I'm spending my free time watching my ex-husband coach a football team halfway yeah. around the world and I'm fucking into it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that, but that's, that's what I mean is the show has such mixed messages with that stuff because on one hand it's Ted returning home for his son, but the other side it's like, before I even complete that sentence, because I was going to say like Ted isn't even able to do what he's what he enjoys. But at the same time, mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily show joy in coaching Richmond ever. Right. He I, he he explicitly says that he's a coach. Like he coaches people. Right. That's where he like beard mm-hmm. and everybody else are the ones who were like the logistics of the game is, is their thing. He is a people manager. Yes. And even I can relate to that. I, I, I God, absolutely I think I'm that. Ted Lasso. Me too. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like he's the titular character to return him back to just home to be like, and then he just got to hang out with his kid uh, and spend and have a relationship with him. Short sells a lot of the growth and everything else you're you're getting. So the alternate ending concepts of like what else could have been, I I don't like to do that for a lot of shows. But to your point with this one, I think there were so many questions of like, oh, is this going to happen or is this going to happen or where is this going to go? Not expectation. I had maybe I had a hope. Maybe that's a good way of putting it. That okay, they would tie it up with some growth for Ted, and him growing into being like I'm gonna find my own happiness and like yeah, making it work with his kid, but also being in London or or some combination of would have shown that right. It could have been a way for his character to to you know sail off into the sunset. I think that I just have too much of an emotional attachment. And so, I mean, I know we have to wrap this episode up. Yeah. We're at the hour and a half mark, but <laughs> I will say that I'm so grateful for the show Yeah, for a million reasons. One, it, it gave me light when I thought I didn't have any in my life, like yeah. truly. And I, I know it did that for a lot of people, especially during the pandemic, even if my situation was different. I think it did that for a lot of people. And I will say I'm so grateful that a show like this exists because I haven't felt pure, unadulterated joy. Like I could turn my brain off and Mm. just enter this world where things can be good. Yeah. Without having to worry about all the other shit in my life that is not good. Yeah. And Ted Lasso did that for me. Yeah. And I think it did that for a lot of people. And like, I know we talked about it in our last episode about Ted Lasso, but 
the mental health aspects, I was not in a good place when I started watching the show and it felt okay. Yeah. It made it feel okay. Yeah. And I think I did that again for a lot of people. You and I have both admitted that this show showed aspects of our lives that we don't share with people. Yeah. Which is a very Ted Lasso thing, right? Yeah. He's like a mirror to some people of like letting them kind of see themselves. Agreed. Through that. Yeah. So. It was a very beautiful journey. I'm sorry that this version of it is over. Yeah. Because, you know, I still need this in my life. I still need something happy. I've got. I need there to be another Ted Lasso show because it felt like there was some. When I watched it and, you know, the, the thing we did is we. We watched the first two seasons. We plowed through them. Yeah. And then the third season came out, the final season. So we rewatched the first two seasons yeah. to get ready for the third season. Then we watched it. And it just felt like unadulterated happiness that may not exist in our world anymore. You know? Yeah. And I will say, too, I mean, it's that weird segment of time, too, where, I mean, not on the comedy spectrum, but like so many other TV shows all ended at once, right? It was like this and Barry yeah. and, and uh, I wasn't into Marvel's Mrs. Maisel, but that's that's over with now too. I think we'll talk about that one also. I was really into it in the beginning and then fell off yeah. hard. And yeah. I think a lot of people did, which makes me sad because it's yeah. a great show. But that's what I mean. It was like, I think, you know, it, it's that weird time too where this happened a couple of years ago too, where I was like, man, like 30 Rock and The Office and Parks and Recreation all like going off the air almost almost all simultaneously. And it was like, oh my, what is left on TV? Like what's like, you know, what what's left for us to watch that isn't one of those old shows? And I mean, there's other stuff that I, I didn't even, I didn't even watch where I'm just like, give credit where credit's due of like, wow, that show is, was on for years. And it's like, like Modern Family is a good one where I'm like, that's just like, yeah, milk we toast. love that show. I've yeah. not watched every episode, but it's same a here. show where I can laugh. I fucking yeah. love the characters. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of like, there's nothing, I think there was a gap in time too, where for a while there wasn't anything currently in production we were like oh wow when this is over this is going to be a, like a, a classic mm-hmm. right where okay. where's the new the office or community or parks and rec or 30 rock or modern family like there's nothing left on the landscape that's currently in production anymore where it's like oh well we still have another season of honestly that. always sunny that like yeah truly, you're right yeah that's big for me and like i will just say i mean you know like you have a show that just feels I have nothing to do with this show. I'm not in the show. I didn't write the show, but it just feels so close to my heart. Yeah. And I found myself today frustrated with life. Yeah. Fucking bad work stuff, you know, not happy with my current work situation and just literally said to myself out loud sitting in my computer, just be a goldfish. Yeah. Just be a goldfish. And I was like, am I fucking quoting Ted Lasso to myself at 36 years old? Yeah. And I am. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of this show. And I think that, you know, let's see what happens going forward. I I wonder if we're going to have another episode in the future. We will. I'll call it. We're going to. We're absolutely going to have one. I believe you because everything you've said so far has been true. (laughs) Almost. I mean, I've got some stuff wrong. (laughs) I do just want to say that I think that Ted Lasso has been a beautiful journey for a lot of people. And we needed it. I think we needed it. The, The world's been a really dark place, not just individually for me, but in general, there's just been a lot of darkness and Ted Lasso brought a lot of light and I'm sad that it's over, but I am very uh, hesitant to see what comes. 
Did you know that Sassy was also like on radio? Like that's where part of her career grew. She was like stand-up comedian. I, I love her. I can't wait to marry her. I, I am going to marry her. I just want to be her. Yes. She, she was my second girlfriend. You've had a long list, sir. <laughs> Jeez. We've got a lot of overlap, too. Maybe we could borrow from each other. I mean, your wife and I have a lot of overlap for second boyfriends, so I this know. could all work out, honestly. I know. You guys are going to do an episode on, uh, on... Outlander. Outlander, yeah. That's going to be... Yeah, that, that final season starts soon, but... I just want to thank everyone for listening to this uh, second iteration of Ted Lasso, and, and we all have to applaud Tom, because he called this shit. Yeah. It's not over. It's not over. Bill Lawrence. I don't know I don't know whose fault it's not it is over anymore. I still Bill think Lawrence it's Bill Lawrence sings, apparently. Yeah, I still think it's Bill Lawrence. Bill Lawrence is like, no, we don't have to check a call out of that. We'll just we'll still come back. We can do, uh, oh my God. Just thinking about it, too. Like, think about it. He was like, oh, we'll just do, like, scrubs, but, like, you know, like, in college. Like, we'll, like, we'll start no. like, new... Now it's like I'm so sorry for my voice squeak there because I have a lot of power behind it, but we'll, no, we'll do Ted we Lasso. Will not. We'll do Ted Lasso, but like you know, with like, with like a women's league, we all brand new, all new characters, right? Even uh, a dick, though, Lawrence. But you know, Rebecca will still be there because she'll still own the team. You know, maybe you know. Uh, but then, the, like Keely will never appear, and there'll be an excuse as to why. <laughs> I hate this times a million. You've you've ruined it for me. Any hope I had gone. We'll, we'll get a Christmas special. Watch. It is June as we're recording this. Wait, is it going to be as bad as the Star Wars Christmas special with the fucking terrifying Chewbacca's? Yeah, you're, you're going to get uh, Ted Lasso's going to come back and his eyes are going to be blue. He's going to be all No, no, no. Hard pass. Uh, Jamie's going to come back, but it's going to be clearly a, a wig that he's wearing instead because they couldn't get his old haircut going. So, right. well, good chat. Alright guys, well thanks for listening and remember, be a goldfish. Be a goldfish. Bye. Bye.